To the point, listeners, this is part two of Jim Abrams, the HVAC goat and his story. It's just as good as part one. I know you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. This is To The Point. A rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. So let's, I'm going to move forward to on this because I also watched, you know, when I was driving back from Colorado um, this past weekend, I was, you know, um, that's a long haul from, from uh, basically a little town called Uray, just by kind of over by Telluride down to Phoenix. It's about nine, 10 hour drive for me uh, with three kids. So, uh, but nowadays they just put on their headphones and they use all the technology and you don't hear them. Um, but I, uh, I listened to a lot of different videos and things that you've done from your speaking and stuff. And I never actually got to see you speak live in person, which I'm really bummed about. So, but I found a lot of clips on YouTube and I was listening to all of them. I mean, and it's really hard to take notes and drive by the way, cause I'm trying to speak to my phone. That's also playing the video through the, through the truck. <laughs> I mean, dangerous. it was a little bit, but that's what I, was, I couldn't text it. So I'm speaking to it, but you had talked about, and, and this seems so simple yet. I still think it's overlooked and, and it's not mastered. And that was the key word I heard you saying it, but you talked about the three things that you must master in business. What are they? Well, now I've spoke for so long. I was in the business <laughs> years, so I'm not sure I got the right three things. But certainly I taught that there's only three things you can move. You can move yourself. So you can move your mind, your effort, your time, your will. Yep. That's very critical. You move your money. So you have to make a decision where you're going to spend your money to enhance it. And you move other people. And those people are a, a broader world, if you will. It includes your family, your friends, your associates, professionals, and the personnel working for you. So every day when you go to business, really, those are the only three things that you can touch and move to move yourself forward in business. So you have to have a plan again for each one of those, where you're gonna spend your money, how you're gonna spend your time, and how you're gonna move your people. Um, It's unbelievable that when you reach out to people, when you're faced with a challenge, uh, for instance, way back when I would gotten a patent on a special pricing uh, that I did for uh, SGI, And um, on that pricing, I couldn't come up with the name of it. But our bookkeeper, Patty Myers, was in a meeting with me. And I said, boy, I'm just, I can't come up with a great name. And she came up with straightforward pricing. We trademarked it. And the rest is history. Uh, A lot of people use that pricing system today. So I'm not sure that's what you were looking for. Again, being 50 years old. Yeah, no, no, no. No, and I don't expect you to, but but I'm going to give it to you now and you'll you'll pick it up. But that's actually was kind of half of it. It was talking about sales and marketing. Okay. one piece and then the operations oh, okay. piece, that, that piece of it. Yeah, the organization of these companies are very simple. So really, there's only three operational things that you do. You have to sell. So you got to get a lead and sell it. Right. Okay, that, that starts it. And then you have to operate the business uh, with operational excellence. So you have to have systems and procedures in place so that once that sale is made, everything is done right. You're collecting on it. If it's finance, blah, 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 the system is installed correctly. And then the last thing you have to administrate your business. Those are the only three functions in these service businesses. So you have to take a look at your organization chart and make sure that you have those slots filled with the very best people that you possibly can. And that each of them have the very best plan they can possibly put forward. Hey, did you ever pull in anybody from outside the industry and put them in those leadership roles or management roles? Oh, yeah. Many times as, as the company grew, in one case, uh, Patty Myers, who I mentioned earlier, 
we were doing about, I think, $150 million in sales at that point in time. And we were growing to be larger. This was at clockwork. And I was preparing to take it public in 05 through 07. And she came to me and said, you know, I, I, I don't want to go back to school anymore. Um, I want to live more life. So I, I can't continue as your CFO. So I pulled in a, a top-notch CFO from the outside world. Most of the people I developed internally, but in some cases, IT, accounting, when you get to a certain scale, a person has to make a decision. Do they want to grow and continue to educate themselves to be able to handle that? Or do they have enough on their plate right now? So I have pulled from IT particularly and um, the accounting world from outside experts. Got it. But the but the plan is, I think the thing that you really hit home on is you uh, you have to master these things. And if you can't do it, you got to find somebody that can help master it for you. And I thought that was critical because you can't be, you know, to really be competitive and kind of hit to your run to your plan if you have one of those in place and to get it done right and to not bleed money. You have all you have, to have all these things mastered. And I think that's where some fall, like you might be good at two and you, and you are, you know, half ass on the other one or, or whatever it is, but the plan was to master all three of it. And if you can't do it, be uh, vulnerable enough to know that you can't do it or self-aware enough to know that you can't do it and find somebody that, that can help you master that piece of it. So that's what I thought was really impactful from it. And, and I don't expect, you know, I think what's been great is, and you've probably seen a lot of this over the years. I know you've seen a lot of this over the years is just how, um, much people are willing to actually help if you ask them for help, you know, in this industry. So, you know, and, and really the last, I would say, you know, having me having been in this business 15 years, I've kind of seen the set, you know, the set best practice groups over the years. And it's kind of been like the same, but over the last say three or so years, I've really seen some, um, consultants, you know, and groups kind of come out of the woodworks and, um, and something I think is really important for our listeners to hear is, um, I'll take a step back. I know, I know that, you, you know, you genuinely care about helping the contractor and helping people and helping them grow. And they're like, their their help, their families, their success, they're all the things like you care about the customer service and like customer service is so mission critical for, uh, was so mission critical for you. Do what's right, do the right thing, do it good. <clears throat> but I believe that way that, um, people shouldn't be getting taken advantage of. And sometimes they don't know what to look for. And when you have all these contract or excuse me, like um, uh, these consultants and stuff coming out of the woodwork, um, sometimes you don't know what questions to ask because what you see might not be what you get. Right. And it's easy today in a social media world like this to kind of put on a front, if you will, you know, like whatever you perceived value of that person, but then what you actually get is, you know, not what you thought you were going to get. Is there a way that these guys could identify that before going down that path? Like, could it be something as simple as, Hey, go back and look through the history and see if they ever actually ran a business. That's what I would say. It's, it's shocking to me how many failed contractors actually run <laughs> consulting firms. Um, it's, it's shocking and it's not. So they have some knowledge. They know where the business person is vulnerable and hence they can come at that person in that area of vulnerability and claim superior knowledge because they probably do have superior knowledge in that one realm. Generally with contractors, it's administratively. So most contractors are lost administratively or IT wise. Uh, they really don't know what they're doing. They hope somebody else will take care of it for them and they don't really apply oversight there so they can get into difficulty. But some of the largest groups out there are actually led by failed contractors. So it's, it's, it's shocking to me. Um, I would probably ask just as you mentioned, 
Hey, show me your financial statement from at the beginning because nobody else had done it. So I used to walk around at our meetings. John Young required me to bring my financial statement that actually showed that I did twelve million dollars in sales. That actually showed that I dropped one point four million dollars to the bottom line after paying myself three hundred thousand dollars a year. Perfect. So you know it was evidence, and he actually had me carry my tax reports with me too. So <laughs> and I remember somebody. It was actually Ron McCann out of Houston came up to me and said you're way too young to be doing this. And I said, well, Ron, you know, last year I, I made a substantial amount of money and I've got my evidence here. I said, how'd you do last year? He said, oh, tough year last year. We lost two and a half percent, but we've been in business for 80 years, so we're going to survive it. He said, how'd you do? I said, well, last year I made 16.5% profitability on a business that was six times his size. And I said, I, and I've been in business now for uh, eight years or whatever it was at the time that we launched it. And of course that made him stop and think, and he didn't join. He didn't join until he came down to my uh, company down. We were down in the Missouri river Valley that later flooded, but I built a brand new business down there, 27,000 square feet. And he visited it and he said, you don't always keep it this way, do you? And I said, yeah, this is, this is how it looks. He said, I could eat lunch off your, um, off your uh, warehouse floor. <laughs> I said, well, I probably wouldn't choose to do that. <laughs> I said, but you're right. You could, it's very clean. So, that was my endorsement, was my financial statement. I was running a business. Anybody could come in and take a look at it. There was no hiding from it. Uh, and John had a direct mail piece that was just tearing up the world at that time. And he had all the results from that. So I think those of us that are real are able to indicate that. And we also are able to indicate where our weaknesses are. So like when I started physical therapy, I'm certainly not a physical therapist. However, I brought in some of the best physical therapists in the world to join my team and explain to everybody, I can't fix anybody, but I can fix your business. And that, that I think they should look at. Got it. So quick question. When you were carrying around those, uh, tax, like your tax records and all those things to prove it, um, you know, makes, that makes me think of is you started your first business in the show me state. Yeah. yeah, yeah true. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Show me, prove it. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see. So, <clears throat> I think this is a good, I mean, well, when I ask that question, because I, I really, really want our listeners to not have to have that potential negative impact on the business. Cause obviously some of them are pretty expensive, like, you know, and, and I also noticed that, that some might be better in one of those, um, one of those like three things better than the other, like, well, maybe they're really good at sales, you know, but maybe not ops, you know, or, or so, and then they, I don't know if they try to bring in somebody to try and master that piece of it too. Maybe that person's not quite a master. So I think it's just hard to sift through to find out, like, if I'm going to spend, you know, $30,000, $20,000 on a, on a coach, um, for some businesses, that's a, that's a decent chunk of money. They're trying to find somebody to help them fix the problems that they're already having, you know, or fix some of the things, you know, that they're already having. And that's a, that, that can be a, a big expense, um, yep. if you don't get the right return on it. So, so I, I hear too many horror stories, which is why I bring it up. And what I can is just, is there something that can be identified to bypass a potential hurdle or a grenade, if you will, you know, in the, in the business too. So that's why I asked that question. I'm just curious to hear your, your input because you've seen a lot of, of this throughout the years. <laughs> yes. And some actually mislead people, unfortunately, because it profits themselves. So I've seen consultants that actually have an advertising firm on the side that direct the client over to the advertising firm. And they're just looking at how much money can I take from this client? And I hope they make it, you know, um, an early one that I saw that was very large. 
uh, offered a market analysis for like $35,000. And really a college student could have done the market analysis. All it did was show how many people lived in the community, what the opportunity they perceived could be done HVAC wise. And it was so sad to see these guys do it. Obviously it's not just tied to HVAC. It's very, very common in physical therapy. So although we now have uh, between our company owned operations and franchisees, almost 500, I can't tell you how many of them had spent over $75,000 with exactly the same trade consultant, in this case, physical therapy, and got no result whatsoever. Every single one of them went backwards in terms of success. Brutal. That's why I'm trying to bypass listeners. Yeah, it, it's, it's terrible when that happens. And, you know, you're vulnerable because you're desperate. Um, I, one, one guy I knew back in St. Louis actually paid a guy $50,000, flew down to Florida, gave him $50,000 because the guy promised him he'd invest a quarter of a million dollars in his business and then show him how to make it. But he had to give him 50,000 to show good faith. It was all just a con. So it was, it was terrible that that happened to that guy. And that was the end of his business because he borrowed money from his friends and relatives just with hope and prayer. Yeah. That's no good. Um, (laughs) That's not a good, that's not a good business model. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. God's listening, but he won't go and install a system for you. Unreal. Well, I mean, I mean, and even just, I mean, we're talking about this, but a lot has changed over the last, like really over the last few, I mean, really COVID, I mean, changed kind of changed things up a little bit too. And just how you react to it and the outcome of it. And, um, in a lot of ways, I think there's um, some good that came from it as well for our industry and on the exposure exposure of it being, um, you know, a, uh, um, in, oh God, I forget the term of what it was called. The, uh, oh my God, an essential business, essential business thing. Jeez. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, it, it's essential. You, you have to have it. Like we were still able to work, you know, and, and our contractors, you know, were really growing in this time, like really growing in these years. But there's also some, Jim, that, didn't like they made, they, you know, like, like you kind of made the decision to start to go outside and look in Salt Lake city and try these other things and, and compare yourself against the nation. Um, some people didn't, they froze, they didn't make a decision. And right. so sometimes you have to be willing to just be like, I got to make a change or maybe reinvent yourself or do whatever. And so you, I had read another, um, either I watched a video or I read this one of the two, I can't remember at this point in time, but you had talked about, um, the serenity prayer, like if you remember what that is and that kind of that method of re, you know, reinventing yourself. And, and I, and let me segue into this for you before you respond to that on what that is. Um, because I'm in the, I'm in the marketing world. Um, I noticed a lot of, uh, of not necessarily our customers, but just because I'm, I'm pretty active in the whole entire industry as a whole, a lot of businesses that had poor brands, um, really, really struggle. Um, the brand equity was very, very low. And I think if anything, um, a lot of, what COVID did too was really expose how important, how incredibly important brand is. And so sometimes, you know, in that moment, you can't fix brand 
that fast. So you would have had to have done something else. But something that I thought kind of plays, you know, plays along with that was your piece that you spoke on the serenity prayer. Can you explain to our listeners what that was all about, or at least what the intent of that is? Sure. First of all, I'd heard it. My son actually gave it to me when he was a book, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, so I heard it. I did not know it was related to AA. So I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic, not that (laughs) Opposed to people that go to AA and recovery, but I know they use this prayer. Right. And the prayer simply says, Lord, give me the serenity to accept those things I cannot change, the courage to change those things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I, I, I apply this to life on a constant basis, especially when I was diagnosed with cancer. You know, what am I going to do? I, I've got a cancer growing inside my kidney. It's life-threatening. Um, it's totally outside of my control. So I have to rely on the professionals, uh, the doctors, and I had lots of input, right, um, as to not to do it with surgery or not to do it with chemo and try a different route. But ultimately, I had to make these decisions. So fortunately for me, I, I chose the medical route and I had the courage to follow through and, and it hurt. You know, chemo is no fun. Uh, surgery, having your kidney removed is no, no joy. But it took courage. And, um, you know, I had the knowledge to know the difference between the two. If, if I just accepted what was going to happen, which I considered since I'm in my 70s, I'm about to turn 75, um, would I have the serenity to be able to accept that I wouldn't live? Um, and I had I had both. So I had to make that decision. Do I act on the courage, which is not a very good looking thing? <laughs> and on the other hand, if I had the serenity, I kind of think heaven's going to be a cool place. So it was a difficult decision for me to make, but I my family was adamant that I do everything I could to stay on earth. So I did. And that prayer helped at that point in time. Well, you know, if you think about, you know, um, even though, like you said, AA really kind of coined that as their, like, uh, you know, much, and my dad wasn't that, like in and out and out of it lots of times. And so, um, and, and uh, it's like, it's literally a disease. It's hard to get past. And so I was a heavy drinker in my early years. <laughs> I stopped when I remarried because I just, I saw kids growing up in a society where they will never go to a party where there's adults present that alcohol will not be served. They just don't see that world. So I stopped drinking now 17 years ago. So uh, I didn't have AA, but I like a lot of contractors, I think, particularly after running leads at 10 o'clock at night, (laughs) you know, you go home, your wife's in bed asleep. Hey, honey, I just sold a $8,000 system. (laughs) Stop talking to me. I'm asleep. So you end up up going out with other salesmen, right? And say, hey, man, I sold an $8,000 system. How do you do it? And then you come home at one o'clock in the morning and you've had too much to drink and get up the next day. So I I figured that was enough of that. (laughs) Well, can you think about during COVID, that's like a great, that would be a great prayer for that particular point in time, right? Like that kind of is what it hits on. So it works. It's not like, it was put in the Bible just for alcoholics. That's not what it is. It's just so, but I thought that was really interesting given the time, you know, the time timing that we're in. And, yeah. and so just based on all these decades of experience you have and seeing in the industry and always kind of being like first to uh, do different things, try different things, like even in technology um, on, you know, selling direct online, you know, directly online, um, all these things you kind of been at the forefront on. Um, what are your thoughts on the future of the HVAC world, like post COVID? And I know we're still kind of technically in it ish, but, um, but what are your thoughts like in just this industry? Like, do you have anything you thought about? Have you had any conversations around like, Hey, this is what business is going to look like moving forward in the, in the trades, like any of that type of stuff? 
Yeah, I'm pretty confident that the equipment itself will become a commodity. I mean, there's just too much money and too much power in the world driving all high ticket items to becoming commodities, whether it's an automobile, now you see it for houses. So um, the only reason that hasn't happened yet is the people with all the money haven't figured out how to manage the labor force. But the equipment itself begs to be sold directly to the consumer with the labor force installing it. So I do think that's going to happen at some time, perhaps as early as five years from now, it might take 10, this industry doesn't change quickly. So, but within five to 10 years, the opportunity where everybody's making all their money right now is not going to be here in the future in the same fashion. You're really gonna have to learn how to manage labor. Unfortunately, with consumer financing and marketing, contractors have become reliant on selling um, equipment at, in my opinion, a little bit too high inflated prices uh, and driving margins up because they're giving labor whatever they ask. So when I hear what you know, labor is being demanded and, and getting these days, I love it because I love the front end guys, but it's probably gone beyond reasonableness. And, and that would concern me. So I do not think that contractors today are really good at being able to um, manage their labor force and really manage a really effective business. What brought that back is in physical therapy, I'm measured, the government actually says, hey, here's what Medicare will pay. Too bad. It doesn't matter how good you get. We're not paying you anymore. And they just reduced it. So their efficiency has to be the key driving factor, right? To be a good businessman in that particular field, you really have to understand uh, labor efficiency and you really have to learn how to drive that because it's not a product sale type business. That's gonna happen in HVAC. So in HVAC, as the equipment becomes commoditized and sold directly over the internet to be installed by another group of people, the labor forces out there, managing the efficiency of that labor is gonna become critical. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Um, I've seen it. And I've been hearing about it for years, too. And I've even dabbled in it a little bit, too, because that's kind of my world. Um, well, it is my world. It's not kind of my world. Um, but it's got to be, right? Like, I, you know, I had a great um, – I, you know Darren Darren Dixon. Yep. Um, and Darren and I have become um, – Darren and I have become friends. And so uh, – and he and I have had a lot of conversations around just his world and my world. And, like, there, there's a lot of overlap I love those conversations because I love the technology aspect. I love the Uber, I use air quotes, um, the Uberization of potential HVAC, you know, replacements and sales. So um, to me, I think uh, it's not a if, it's a when. Yes. Um, and that's a very soon win, uh, I believe, just from paying attention to what I think. So I'm always curious to hear, you know, everyone else's opinion, especially yours because you've been in this thing so long and you've seen so many different transitions. But um What's next for you, man? Like, I know you've retired like 15 times. <laughs> so, but what's next for you, man? Like, what are you going to dab? I mean, you're 75, right? That's, you've over, you've beat cancer. You've done all these things. Like, what's next for you, Jim? I mean, I know you got the book coming out, like your new book, and it's, uh, the baby is on the island, and which we'll oh. talk on in a minute. But like, what's next, man? Are you just going to, are you actually going to retire and relax? Well, I've been very blessed. I have nine grandchildren now. There you uh, go. They range in age from 13 to less than one. Uh, four of them out on the West Coast. My wife just left this morning. I'll be joining her next week uh, out in L.A. So we see the kids out there. And uh, as long as I can get down on the floor uh, and have these kids crawl <laughs> over me or go out on the boat with them, 
Um, that's the predominant part of my life. I still have business owners reach out to me. I will give them time. Um, I do charge for the time because my time is valuable. For sure. And, and if they don't pay, I found out they don't really value it anyway. So, but when somebody comes and pays me for a day, um, they listen a lot more. They take notes and invariably they go back and do uh, what I've suggested to say. So I do some of that still in all different types of businesses, uh, usually by request from a friend that says, hey, I got this guy that's struggling. Can you help him out or whatever? So that's what I'm doing these days. Um, my, I, I think I'm short of plan right now. So I've lived my whole life with 10-year plans because of the cancer, COVID and all that other stuff. I think I did not I, well, I know I have not sat down and say, okay, Jim, where are you going to be when you're 85? Because I had questions whether I'd see 85. Yeah. So I probably need to write a new plan. I'd love to add something to your plan if if I can talk you into it. Um, and this is purely selfishness. Um, I put on this little itty bitty event, very private, invite only type event called Rhino X Service Summit. Terry spoke at it last year. It's very like small. I've never gotten to see you speak live. I've never gotten to see that. I want to see it. It's a very tiny group of very established uh, contractors and also some that are just trying to get that knowledge from you uh, as well too. But I would love it if I could talk you into even doing a small little speaking role. And guess what? Phoenix is right by LA. You're just a hop, skip and a jump away over there. It's not till it won't be till February of next year, but I'm just going to throw that little teaser out there to see if I can talk you into pulling you out of that non live speaking thing and giving you like a little 30 minute spiel there, or even a Q and a, whatever it takes I'm in to make it happen. Well, I'd probably be happy to do it. Send me an invite and uh, I'll look at my calendar. Wonderful. I'll take that. I'll take that and run with it. Cause I would love to, to see that. Um, I want to close with this too. And, and again, you know, it's been about an hour and, and I appreciate the time. And like you said, I think time is our most valuable asset too. You can't, can't get it back. Um, I didn't know you're still consulting. That's fantastic. I don't know if that's something that um, I can share on your behalf on how somebody can connect with you. If it's through someone through you, if they want to do those types of things, is there a, is there a way I should do that? Or I can, I can yeah, offer to can, listeners. They can contact me directly. My email address for that would be J Abrams, A-B-R-A-M-S at Bizoom, which is B as in boy, I-Z-Z-O-O-M.com. Got it. I'll share that as well in the show notes so that way they can see that. Great. I didn't know you're still doing that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Not um, everybody knows, but occasionally people request. Well, and so also you have the book coming out um, and they'll be able to get that in audio format. Yes. They could, uh, if they want that, they can go to the same address. My son will, re- one of my sons will respond to them and um, they can either take it electronic in the form or if they've got a little bit of patience, it'll be in hard print in probably three months. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, they'll only have a couple months left. <laughs> a couple months left oh, for the hardcover. No. Um, I have a hard time listening to audio because I space out, you know. Um, and if I read the book, I have to highlight as I go. So that way when yeah. I space out, I can go back to my highlights. <laughs> I'm a product of ADHD. Um, and then I would just say the last thing is in regards to that book, you have this um, 10 steps to business success that kind of is like uh, a big piece, a big piece of that. I just want you to, if you wouldn't mind, um, if you remember the, the, yeah, the actual like one through 10, <laughs> the order of it all. I have them written down. <laughs> okay, so perfect. I, I don't have to test my memory would, here. Would you mind just sharing what those are so you can let our listeners know kind of the foundation of, of what it's about? Sure. And this was written for any business, not just, um, uh, home services. Perfect. Number one, number one, you have to deter- determine, do people want it or need it? 
So people will only buy what they want or need. So we're in a good place here. We know that they need it. So you're selling a need product. Mm -hmm. Can you deliver the product? So number two is, can you deliver that product or service with a competitive advantage? Usually a competitive advantage would mean less money, more conveniently, or is it better, superior, or more creative and unique? So you have to be able to have some differentiation between the rest of the marketplace or else it's going to be a price that people will default to price. Right. Next, you must have a name and message. And this is critical. So one hour air conditioning was always on time or you don't pay a dime, which sounds relatively easy. But that is actually an anapestic meter, the same type of thing that Dr. Uh, Seuss used uh, to be able to have people memorize it. So by taking a USP, like always on time or you don't pay a dime, um, people will recall that if they hear it seven times, so on the radio, or if they hear it seven times, wherever, television, radio, audio, um, they'll remember it. And next time they need to call somebody, oh yeah, there's those guys that are always on time or whatever it might happen to be. Um, next is identify your pillars of success. So within every business, there are measurable categories that you must look at to see if you're properly planned and executed that would lead to those things. So like how many service calls you're gonna run a year? Uh, we were running at one time 10,000 service calls a day. So you know when we reach that level through our franchise group and through company owned operations, that's a lot of service calls a day and you're gonna make a mistake. So on my service calls, on one of the pillars of success, I actually had a phone number on there, 877-655-U-WIN. And it was also printed right on the contract or on the invoice. That rang at my secretary's desk. So even though we were doing 10,000 service calls a day, if there was somebody disappointed in the country or in Canada where we had business, that call would actually come to my desk. My team then at the local center had one day to correct that problem or else I would step in and resolve it. And one time that I stepped in, it was in Las Vegas, and it actually cost the center $85,000 because we closed down the center for the morning, had the disappointed customer come in and actually show a video uh, to my whole team, tell the team what the complaint was, and my general manager gave her back all of her money that she paid. But, um, you know, that's that's big overreach, but that was one of my pillars of success. I would not have the sun go down on an unhappy customer period. I had to be able to resolve that customer before I went home that night. God, I love it. Uh, um, the next one up I had, so, but there's all different pillars of success. Right. Uh, in my book, I show the restaurant ones uh, that we uh, developed for the restaurants. Uh, do you have the capital necessary to succeed? That's number five. If not, can you replace it with effort? In the beginning, I had limited capital. So I was out knocking on doors, dialing on telephones, etc. Later, and for most of the rest of my life, capital has never been a problem. So now I can kind of even overwhelm companies because of the capital availability that I have. I can come in and take major presence in markets very quickly if I so choose. Uh, next one up, number six, you have to look in the mirror. Can you lead and do what is necessary? This is tough. You know, you may have to fire a person that you really care about. And many times it's a family member. Yeah. So can you really do this? because the business now becomes like a child. And just like an infant child, if you're not doing everything you can to keep that child alive and well, they're totally dependent upon you and so is your business. So you have to know there that you will do what you need to do. And if you can't do that, you're not, it probably is not gonna work out for you. Number seven, do you have the will to do what's necessary? Now this is different. 
Number six is, can you do it? Number seven is, will you do it? And so many times, you know, you get into things that are just so difficult. I, I remember my last chemo thing and saying, I don't want to go today. You know, I, 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 I was so sick last time. You know, I don't want to do this today. But again, my family wanted me here and it was what I had to do. So even though it was like, uh, this is going to be like one of the worst days of my life. I got in my car and drove myself to chemo that day, which my chemo was five hours when I got there and uh, no joy as anybody that's been through it knows. Sometimes so, that, sometimes that's, that will is harder than skill. It is. <laughs> I think it's the hardest thing, especially as you gain wealth. Right. So in the early days, I'm out knocking on doors and dialing on telephones. You know, when I'm worth tens of millions of dollars, it becomes a little bit more difficult to get up in the morning and say, Oh, I'm going to go out and knock on doors today. I can right. hardly wait. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that mind. Will you have the courage to do that thing that's necessary? Yeah. The motivator is we, different then, huh? Yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally different. Next one up is um, eight. Will you define an organizational chart, fill the necessary roles yourself early on and then hire the right people later. Generally speaking, in our industry, in the contractor industry, the first role you should find is a really, really, really superstar administrator. And the reason for that is accounting for these businesses take up inordinate amount of time. So you want to get that off of you and onto somebody else so that you have your time to impact the business on the top line. And you have somebody you really trust that can carry the administration thing. For me, I needed a technician too, because I can't fix anything. I'm a businessman, but... I'm really not a serviceman or an installer by any means. Number nine is, will you gain the necessary knowledge, write at least a five-year plan and subordinate to the plan, putting your ego aside. And number 10 is, will you develop a business culture of true meritocracy, focusing on the success of each individual working in the company, delegating authority and responsibility, and do so legally, ethically, and morally. And if you do those 10 things, and there's obviously backup to them, especially on the pillars of success. So if you follow that formula, and particularly that last one, nothing immoral, nothing illegal, and nothing unethical, I, th I think you'll succeed. That's great. And so, so is a lot of the book kind of all built around that, or is that just a piece of it? Is that kind of the foundation of it? It's a bunch yeah, of pieces broken, of that? broken into chapters, <laughs> and then I actually tell stories behind each one of those from my career. Yeah, perfect. Um, well, I'm excited. Like, I I, uh, I want to get it and read it. Um, sounds like it's my kind of book too, because it's it's an easy read. It um, is. If I if I can crank through a book in a, a one plane ride from Phoenix to anywhere on the East Coast, that's kind of my gauge. I know I can actually do it. You can do it. <laughs> Perfect. This, this you probably finish sometime over Tennessee. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I don't know. You heard me say I got to highlight because I start to lose. I'll, I'll actually be reading something and then I'll start thinking about it in a different context. That takes me down some path. I'm like, oh, wait, I got to pay attention and I got to go back to it. So what might take you to Tennessee might take me to Carolina. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, listen, um, I'm incredibly grateful that you gave me your time and that you that we were able to make this thing happen um, again. It is a, uh, it's something that I've been looking forward to just because I've never been able to actually meet you or I see you speak live. I've only ever seen videos and it just made it. I know, I know I had to make uh, it a little frustrating waiting so long because I typically wouldn't make 
I guess, wait that long to get the questions. But the problem was, is you ever had analysis paralysis? Yes. Yeah. I was in analysis paralysis mode because I had all these questions. If you could see my notes on here too, I had so many things and now I had to go back through and rework them and try to think through, man, what's the best thing I can deliver to the listeners. That's, you know, taking my selfishness out of it. And it was actually fairly difficult because I had so many things I wanted to ask and, and, you know, just out of curiosity, but I had to, you know, try and keep my, I got to ask the right things that I'm genuinely interested in, but also the listeners need to hear to be able to take away and actually implement. Otherwise they waste their time too. So there's plenty of that in this particular episode and I'm grateful. So thank you for spending the time with us. Um, I hope it, I hope that you uh, enjoyed your very first podcast with me. I'm grateful to be that for you. Well, great. It was very easy. So thank you. Yeah. And then again, I'm going to, I'm going to lean on you now that I have your email, I'm going to make sure, uh, I get to the team, this uh, Rhino X stuff too. I'll send you a little snippet of it so you can kind of see what it's like. It's a quick little sizzle reel so you can see what it's all about, but it's for sure right up your, right up your alley. Um, okay. I love having the, uh, the little panels too, where the, the guests can ask, you know, questions and things like that. And, and anyway, I'll send you the video on it too. And if I could talk you into it, I'd love it again, because I haven't got to see you speak live. So I'd like to get that done. <laughs> all right. Great. <laughs> well, listeners, I hope you took notes. If you did, if you could see, if you're watching on the YouTube channel piece of it, you'll see I've got notes all over the place. And then as Jim's talking, I'm taking a lot more notes and on the back and on the front. And, and you know what? My writing sucks. So some of the stuff I'm about to go back and try and figure out what the heck you said too, Jim, because my writing looks a little sloppy. <laughs> well, you have it on tape. I got it on video. That's right. We can, I can go back and re-listen to it. And so um, I'm excited for this episode to air. I know there's a lot of people that are going to be really interested because you just haven't, you know, they haven't heard you in so long. So this is going to be a really great piece. I mean, I'm talking, you know, at least in the, in the trades, and this is a great way to kind of push that uh, out to the masses. And so, like I said, you know, roughly kind of by the time we're done with this thing, it'll be in the 40,000, you know, downloads and streams, all other fun stuff for people that are going to hear this message. And, and I'm excited to be the one to, to bring that to them. So, um, I always finish this thing off, Jim, with a review because I live a, a life of gratitude. Um, and I think that, um, to, you know, well, for me, if our listeners, you know, they'll hear these podcasts and they'll leave reviews. And sometimes they're not about me. They're about the guests specifically. And I enjoy being able to give that to you, you know? And so if they, uh, if they leave a, a, a review that's geared towards you, I'll take that and send it over to you so you can read it yourself. Um, Great. and so, um, I like reading them myself. They fill my cup too. Right. So, cause I was able to bring that to them. And that's the whole point of this podcast is to be able to give back to the, you know, the industry that I love and I care about. And, and this is just another way of doing it besides Rhino. So I'm going to finish with the review. And, um, this one was from Dwight E it's five stars. It says, I really enjoy listening to every one of your podcasts. It's funny, informative, and super valuable, super valuable. I eagerly anticipate each new episode. So Dwight E, I appreciate you sending that. Obviously listeners leave the reviews. I love reading those things too. I love sharing them. I get been seeing quite a few come through. So I know you guys are listening to me and I appreciate that so much, but Jim, I'm going to say one last time. The, uh, the father of HVAC success has completed podcast numero uno <laughs> and i'm excited to be it for you so thank you again all right thank you i'm really Have grateful listeners i hope you really appreciate that and like he said too you know, like you, we talked about this whole thing like sometimes you just got to make a decision even if you even if you don't know if it's going to be right or wrong make the decision you don't have to do everything but you got to do something no zero days listeners thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week we are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. 
we really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.